Welcome to Tales from the Abyss, the most unfiltered, unselfish, unapologetic, uncut, unpretentious, the greatest celebration of freedom of speech in the land of the free and the home of the brave. At this point, I would usually say, tell him, Jay. Unfortunately, Jay is having some neck issues, and he's a little bit uh, under the weather when it comes to that. So I brought in the other half of this, uh, of this group here in Tales from the Abyss, the men, the co-hosts of uh, The Sentiment. Renny Rico to take over tonight for Jay. Renny, are you there? Yes, I am. How's everybody doing, guys? I have been looking forward to hearing that intro live. And uh, <laughs> right in person right here with me. So thank you so much for thinking of me as a replacement for the uh, unreplaceable Jay. I hope that he gets better soon. I hope so. Or he gets some good medication because he needs to sleep it off for a little bit, man. He's been in a lot of pain. Yeah, I hear him. We've been, we've been talking a lot, so... Hopefully he does get better. Yeah. So, man, we're here tonight to do this week's episode on a review of the one horror movie that is everybody's talking about. I personally enjoyed it, but I also have things to say about it. I don't know how you feel about it, but uh, we're talking about Scream 6, the follow-up to that smash hit that was Scream 5. Yes. So excited. And I, I have... I avoided your review last week just because I didn't want to be influenced by it and I wanted to have an open mind. So I haven't listened to anybody's uh, Dr. Wolfel on YouTube or any other reviews on YouTube. I have avoided them all. That's understandable. And um, I mean, I like to go into things with clean, uh, like a clean mind state too. That's why I try to avoid marketing for like the last month of a movie, especially one that I'm really excited about. Um, I will say, please catch that uh, episode because I talk about another movie that I think you'd be interested in, Sick, on Peacock. Uh, but aside from that, yeah, this movie was great. Scream was fantastic. I do have my own little personal nitpicks about it, but I think that it, it, it's doing great to move the franchise along. No, absolutely. But uh, yeah, that's that's the thing about, about me. I wanted to listen to your show, but I had to hold back when I read Scream in it because... Uh... You and I were both talking about about Scream. You were headed to the movie theater. I was there. I was there to see it on 3D. 3D was not possible, so they I ended up with a free ticket. It was it was exciting to be there, man, just to see the the cases as they were open behind the concession stand with the the Scream cops. <laughs> picture i was like wow like i'm like just when we found out that it was gonna be at the same theater chain that i go to yeah and i picked up i picked up my cup as well in fact i took the little figure that goes on top and he's sitting right in front of me absolutely that's what i have it for i have it for the dance i wouldn't drink in it they gave you a, they, they knew what they were doing at the movie theater because you bought it and they would give you a, an extra cup <laughs> yep they yeah, knew absolutely. that they know how to, uh, to, to get that money out of your pocket. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that, that they did. They, they sure did. But uh, Jenna Ortega is everywhere. Yeah. She's uh, red, uh, red hot, and I mean this, not in a... Uh, she's a beautiful girl, but she's old enough to be my daughter, maybe granddaughter. I don't know how old. She's 20 years old. She's 20, yeah, she's old enough to be my daughter. So, uh, yeah, I, I just said this in a, in a respectful way. Like, she's just red hot as far as her services as an actress. Like, she's everywhere. Saturday Night Live. Yeah, Wednesday. She, Wednesday, she has a show she, on Netflix, which I have never seen, but it, everybody talks about it. She was in X. She sure, oh, yeah, she sure was on X. Mm-hmm. And she's Latina. <laughs> <laughs> so, is, uh, so is Melissa Barrera. Yeah, and you know what? She 
really stepped up her game in this uh, in this uh, movie. She was like, you know what? She heard all the, uh, the the online discussion, and she said, I'm not getting left behind. And she really showed her thing this movie, and I think she did improve a lot. I wish she would have shown her things. She's like, cojo se condena. Um... <laughs> So yeah, Melissa Barrera, Mexican actress from Acapulco, I think she's from. Um, yeah, man, she was great on this, and and the whole the whole bringing the whole cast back together, I loved it. I love the way they captured New York City. Um, I mean, I like I like everything about the movie. I like the way it was shot. Director did a great job with it. But now here's the things that I didn't like about it. The the writers. Uh, and you tell me how this works, because I, I love your show, because you give us insight on stuff that me and Jay, we always talk as fans, but you take it to a whole other level. <laughs> Writers, directors, or the studio, whoever put an end to this uh, whole, you can't kill the main characters. Like Dewey took it the last, uh, in front of the trophy case on screen five. Yeah. Courtney Cox could not die on this one. Then no. Mason Gooding, Chat Meeks, and his sister Mindy Mix. Mindy, I could believe Mindy could have made it. Mindy took one single stab at the sub, at, 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 the, at the train. But uh, shot her brother, man, he was busher beyond belief, and he still survived. It's like they were not allowing anybody to to die in this. Well, I I, uh, I completely agree that I was very surprised um, to see him. Uh, still alive after the uh, the massacre that the dual ghost, ghost faces were committing to him, which was an absolutely fantastic scene. Just the, the way it was shot and the double blade wipe was uh, was phenomenal. Uh, very implausible that he was going to survive, but I think that he's ultimately just taken over the uh, the role that Dewey was. You know, Dewey Dewey was a pincushion in essentially all the movies as well, and you know now that he's gone, someone has to take up that mantle. So I think that because they. Um, they alluded to the rules about anybody's expendable. I think that they, you know, subverted expectations by letting everyone live. And I think that it was a, it was an intentional decision. I mean, yeah, is it, is it not reasonable? Absolutely. But, you know, it's entertainment. And I think that people truly want to see the core four survive and maybe see another movie. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I, I after this, I think we're definitely going to have another one. I, I don't see how can we not get another one. Oh, no, that's, yeah, that's guaranteed. This is pretty much on track to be the highest grossing screen movie in the entire franchise. Yeah, it's definitely uh, moving, be yeah. moving beyond part one. Part one only had $103 million, and they're on track to hit $100 million essentially this weekend. So, yeah, there's there's going to be a part seven. You no, know, they're right now, I'm looking at this, they're at 116. Oh, wow. So they already, they already crossed it. Fantastic. Yeah, with a budget of 33 to $35 million bucks. Yep. And they haven't even hit the uh, the the Blu-ray market yet. <laughs> no, they haven't even hit the third weekend yet. <laughs> yeah, they haven't hit the third weekend yet. So this is definitely definitely was uh, something exciting. You know what else? It was it was it was kind of crazy. I go to a lot of horror conventions when they're in town, when they're here in Charlotte. And I was talking to Jay how I went to the uh, the last horror convention that that I went to uh, or before last, uh, and. We were all there talking about how uh, Neff Campbell did a panel, and she was like, "Yeah, I'm on board. Uh, I've talked to the directors, and everything looks good." So now there's that when this one came out, everybody, even in the movie theater, they were talking about before it started. They were hoping she would make like a cameo, or it was all like hidden that she was gonna come out. Yeah, that was that 
that was certainly a rumor. I thought that there was a, there was a possibility that maybe there was some marketing shenanigans going on, and they were really trying to like uh, like hide the fact that she was going to show up. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Uh, I, I did get to I thought I saw some background to that particular story. Um, from all intents and purposes, the the directing group um, Matt Open and Tyler Gillett they were on they are still on very friendly terms with Nev Campbell. Unfortunately, she made her decision based on you know just business standings and and, and money, but there was no hard feelings lost, and they definitely have the door still open for her to return. So there might possibly possibly be her in part seven. Uh, the the door is definitely wide open for that. And I thought it was a very classy way the way that. Uh, uh, Courtney Cox, she said uh, on this one, Gail, Gail Weathers, she said uh, she said how she has moved on with her life and she wants to be with her family. Let her be. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was very just, you said classy, perfect word. Um, you know, they didn't need to overdo it. They didn't need to overspell it. You know, for a long time, people want Sydney just to get her happy ending. And, you know, for the time being, she's getting it. And it also just allows the movie to focus on this new set of characters that are all really young, but all have a little, or have a lot of strength to show for themselves. And a, a very odd opening for this one, considering all the other openings that we've had, and we have never seen something like this. You have uh, Laura Crane was the character. She was the professor. Mm -hmm. Beautiful blonde sitting there at the, at the restaurant trying to tell... Uh, Jason uh, Carby, played by Tony Robolori, how to find her, and all of a sudden she goes into the <laughs> she goes into the uh, this uh, alley, and man, it was straight out of uh, Spawn. Yeah, well, that's that was Samara Weaving, and she was also in the directing duo's uh, first film, I guess, the first major film, Ready or Not. So that was a little nod to her, but she did a fantastic job. She got. Um, uh, catfished essentially and then she got tricked even though she's a, a professor in uh, a flasher film studies or whatever she said yep <laughs> so yeah they really they really they pretty much played her uh to their mental strengths and they got her out there and i thought it was a great little subversion i thought that was really cool how they did the killer reveal and you know something that's never been done before it definitely catches your attention right away and then you're like all right where's this going yeah it, it just it, it pulls you in it sucks you in with you know with a huge gravitational force Cause that was the thing when I saw that I was like, "Well, we already know who the killer is." I mean, this is this is weird. <laughs> and then the yeah. killer the killer gets it, and not only that, but his uh, partner is already in the icebox, mm -hmm. getting all <laughs> all cool off. So you know that was that was a, a very odd opening. Yeah, that was it. That was that was a cool little cat and mouse game they played with the, the after the killer reveal, and then. Um, then when the, the ghost face who's really going to be in the movie, his final line is who gives a fuck about movies. I thought that that was just a perfect, you know, just little opening. Then you get the opening titles and then it's like, all right, now we're really in for a treat here because it's just completely subverted your expectations and you don't know where the movie's going to go from there. No, I thought that was a nod to you and your opening of, uh, wherever the fuck you are tonight <laughs> when you open your show. That's what I thought it was. Uh, but it, and another thing, it was it was real good, man. That after all these years, Roger L. Jackson, who plays Ghostface, like he's still there. And that was actually where I was going to want to say next that you know this movie franchise truly wouldn't be what it is today without you know his fantastic voice and all the just personality he puts behind it. You know, it's 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 one of the major pillars of what what makes a screen movie a screen movie. And I'm just glad that he's still here. 
and not replaced by an AI bot yet. Yeah, absolutely, because <laughs> that's probably where it's going to end up sooner or later. But uh, at at some point, did you did you I, did, did you thought it was uh it was uh Doctor Christopher who was doing the murders? Uh, which one was Dr. Chris Rogan? Remind me real quick. He was he was the one that was uh Melissa was visiting. She was oh, he um, was Melissa's doctor and uh was, yeah, no, it was I mean I definitely felt something in that in that particular scene, but I didn't really get like you know with these movies you're just naturally paranoid with everyone. So I think that my mind was kind of just playing the suspicious suspicion card on any new character. Uh-huh. Uh I just thought that the way he treated her was just very unprofessional. <laughs> How he gets her to reveal her, you know, her, her her deepest secrets, her deepest, darkest, you know, thoughts. And then he pretty much turns on her immediately and says that he can't treat her. I thought that was just very un- uh, unreliable of a, of a psychiatrist. Yeah, but as soon as he got killed, I was like, whoa, I'm back at it again. And then yeah. I'm thinking that I finally figured out who the killer was, that it was... Uh, uh, police officer Wayne Bailey and then his daughter gets killed so I'm like whoa Quinn Bailey yeah so well, I, I don't know I think that that was right around when I started getting the suspicious because only because the timing of the psychiatrist and then it was pretty much right after the, the, the main scene where you're introduced to the detective so it just seemed odd that, you know, he got this information about finding out about the psychiatrist and then now all of a sudden the psychiatrist is dead. So he put, it put him on the radar and I kind of just picked on up, picked up from that and then went forward as far as my theory. But honestly, these movies that, you know, if you go back, they're not really about who the killer is. It's about the, it's about the story and the adventure along the way. So I think that, you know, leading into the ending and my personal issue as far as how it was handled is that I feel like the killer reveal was just kind of subpar and was also just a rip on Scream 2. Uh, I think that everything that they gave us in this movie just makes you willing to look past that. It's not ultimately that big of a deal because the movie was so entertaining leading up until that point. It's not going to break the movie. No, it, it was it was definitely not going to break the movie. The movie was, that even the reveal was great at the end. Yeah. But this was a more violent, more powerful. This this one had big influence on uh on Friday the Thirteenth Seven and Six when Jason was more violent, bigger, stronger. This was a stronger, bigger Ghostface. And I think that's what the people want, basically. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. This is a nat- it's a natural progression. You know, he has to get more menacing, more violent. That's what these movies are. Like, that's what rated R movies are in the current time frame of, of, of film history, essentially. So it's just only natural that we were going to see the most gross, the most gruesome ghost face yet. And, and you know, one of my favorite scenes, and they, man, they captured the bodega to perfection. Was inside inside the the bodega in New York. They captured they captured that. I don't know if they built the bodega. They went inside and filmed inside it. But I don't know how they did it. But it was perfectly done. That was one of my favorite scenes. And right there, when he had the gun, you have to realize that this was somebody who had experience handling weapons. Yeah, he was definitely a, some sort of expert, in it. especially the person that played him in that scene. Yes. And, but, uh, yeah, it, it was so brutal just the way he came in. It was like no holds barred. Like, you know, if you're in his way, he's going to kill you. And, like, yeah. I just feel like that was something that was so refreshing and needed 
in this particular franchise just to see him go off like an animal. Like, I thought that was pretty much great. Yeah, man, because if you ever been in New York at 3 in the morning ordering food somewhere, like, it's, like, crazy. Like, you get fights next to you, and you have somebody in the counter be like, fuck you, I want my pizza now. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, like, like things could be flying all around people, and me, you know, being living in the South for as long as I have, it's like, <laughs> I, I ran away from it. And to see human beings, they're like, nah, they're not going anywhere. You can fight around them, kill yourself around them. They're they're getting their food one way or another. That's like the pizza is getting in a bag. So the people in the bodega, they thought that they were going to, you know, do your business, fight, kill yourself, but I'm not going anywhere. And they ended up getting killed themselves. Yeah, it was definitely true to New York form. I yeah. It was just a great scene. And then we had the magic of Scream, which was going from one building to the other. And that was when supposedly... Quinn Bailey, Liana Liberato got killed. Yeah. With uh, uh, uh you, you say, say, the scene in the apartment you're referring to. Yeah, the scene in the apartment. Yeah, where where David, played by Josh Sagara, he was at the other building and he was like trying to tell them, hey, you know, this is taking place. You got this dude is inside there. Yeah, I thought that that was so creatively done, and it's just refreshing. Like you know, it's it's not an easy job to come in and take over these movies and give you something fresh every time so when they can come up with a scene like this it's just you know it just feels like a different take on a chase scene and it has you know this this refreshing vibe to it i thought that was just really great it, it really ratcheted up the tension you know especially when ghostface finally is right behind them and the final girl's on the ladder and he just starts shaking it up and down and you're like wow, like this is just like amazing and then she ultimately falls and just smacks her head so hard on that garbage can and you're like you feel so poorly for her yeah uh, it's just uh, just amazing because scream scream is at his best when they're doing some kind of a run against time like when they were yeah. running towards carney cox in this scene right here that was exciting that's when scream yeah. is at his best that is the first time that Courtney Cox was ever on a phone call with Ghostface. That was a good trivia. Yeah, that was the first time ever. Yeah. Wow, yeah. It was, it was a great call. You know, and like, give it to Courtney Cox. I got to give her flowers. Every movie that she's been in, one through six, she has pretty much owned this character. You know, she is a highlight. You know, she's, you know, she's a great actress. She really just knows the role. And this all this goes all the way back to Scream One, where they didn't think that she was right to fit this role, and she just fought for it. And you know what? She made it her own. And you know, there's no one else I would rather see play this character. Yeah, no, nobody can play Geralt Weathers unless you go and get Nancy Grace. If if they ever kill off the character <laughs> of Corny Cox, and they wanna get uh, they wanna get old Nancy in there. Yeah, they wanna get really meta. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, uh, Kirby Reed coming back, that was another good twist because when he was calling them on the phone for a moment, he had me when he said that, you know, that she called Atlanta and she's an FBI agent that's been off the rails for two months. Yeah, I, I, I'm absolutely gullible, so I fell for it uh, when, I, when he was saying it uh, in the movie and I thought, all right, well, I guess that's, that's what her character was brought back for. And, you know, and then when the, when the final turn happened again, I was like, wow, okay, they got me there. And then another thing about this movie that was very, very well done, Skeet Ulrich, Billy Loomis returning, even though it was in the imagination of uh, of Sam, 
but it was crazy that it was it was for me that was it remind me of uh of Star Wars. Oh, like a, like a killer ghost? Like a, <laughs> no, like he was he was uh, Darth Vader trying to recruit uh, Luke. Uh, okay, then I, I can see from that angle as well. Absolutely. Yeah, yes, I can see that. Yeah. I, you know what, and I think that, honestly, from like looking at from part five to part six, I feel like they improved how they presented him. Uh, and it felt like, you know, it felt more reasonable within like the scope of the movie how he was used this time. Uh, compared to last, uh, so I think it's a pretty pretty cool addition. I, anytime you get Ski Horace or any of the original cast back in uh, in a logical manner, I think that it, it really works. So I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, that was that was great. Another thing that, like you said, the first time and stuff, the, the names and stuff, and, and trivia for this, I like how is Tara and Sam Carpenter like they honor uh, Carpenter on all of this. Yeah, absolutely, and, and there's just so many of those little nods too. Like it just. That's personally linked why I'm extremely happy with the direction of the franchise because it's in the hands of people who care about this franchise and it cares about the fans. Like, you know, and then it just goes to show there's so many Easter eggs throughout this movie. You know, you have the subway scene and then you have all the, the characters because it's around Halloween time. So you get, you know, you get Pinhead, you get Freddy, Michael, you know, among many others. Uh, just like, you know, you blink and you'll miss them. But it's just really cool nods to the fans like us that really genuinely care about this creepy stuff that they get, that gets put on the screen. Yeah, this is, uh, I was checking out... Uh... Rotten Tomatoes, and this is what Sarah Michelle Fetter said. She's a top critic. Scream, what you just said, Scream 6 shows there's still life in this series. And now that a new generation has been given control of the story, I'm curious to see where it will go next. This is what David Sims from The Atlantic said about it. And I don't think he was very, uh, very, very high on it. He says, there just isn't enough juice behind the stagecraft the screen movies have thrived because they've always stayed one step ahead of the source material but as the franchise grows more bloated the risk becomes their own punchline so i guess he wasn't into it can't no and i guess he's one of those people that goes to see this thinking that it's like a shakespeare uh play <laughs> <laughs> and this thing is for popcorn man a big tub of a uh, of soda pop and that fountain thing that has like a thousand flavors, and that's it, and you enjoy yourself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, that, that is why you're supposed to just suspend disbelief, go to these movies, you understand that there's going to be logical fallacies, but who cares? Like, at the end of the day, are you entertained? Are you scared? Did you have a good time? Did your girl hold on to your arm? You know, like, they really, that's what you go to the movies for, right? Yeah. Because that's, that's, I mean, this, this, this was for me from beginning to end. I was very, very happy. Like I said, I only didn't like the fact that they stabbed those characters so many times and they still make it. And especially with uh, Mindy, because Mindy was like, yeah, they gave me a bunch of pills. There was no way I was going to sit this one out. And she was out there just walking around like nothing ever happened. Yeah, I thought that that was a... That was funny, but, you know, ultimately, just like we said already, you know, you're, you're willing to look past those particular moments just because the entirety was great. I think this was a good movie. I, I mean, I, I actually, I'm going to go see it again this week. Oh, you are definitely headed back again? Yeah, I just needed to find time in my schedule. I mean, if this is, this is running up against, uh, this is going to be running up against, uh, they're saying that, uh, 
Evil Dead Rises is going to be the big, the big thing this year. Yeah, and you know what? I, I'm I'm gonna admit this live on the podcast. I saw the trailer for Evil Dead Rises, and it was the first time I seen the trailer because usually I watch a lot of stuff at home on my computer. Mm-hmm. But this time I saw it in the theater. And this is the first time in a long time, Link, where I felt genuinely creeped out and I thought maybe I shouldn't go see that. And that is tough for me to admit because I can watch pretty much anything. So that move that says a lot because I think this movie is going to be it's going to be a tough one. But I think that it's going to be great. That's what they're saying. They're saying this one is going to be very, very tough on the eye. Yes, and yeah, the eye. The, and it's, it's funny, like the key word there is the eye because yeah. apparently they they call that out specifically because there's some eye stuff in this movie, and I'm not really looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, because we need something like that because the year didn't start with a bang. You know, Megan wasn't really a. Uh, <laughs> Megan was the first big horror, you know, sci-fi slash horror that was being uh, pounded down everybody's throat this year, and I don't think it did. It did more good things for Saturday Night Live when they were doing a parody of it than the movie itself. <laughs> well, you know, with Megan, I like the production crew behind it. I think James Wan has something to do with it. and No, James I Wan is excellent. Yeah, he was one of the producers. Yeah, I think that they... I'm always interested to see what they have coming out just because they like to at least put a unique spin or at least some kind of, you know, non-insult to, the, to, to my senses uh, in, in the theaters. Uh did you see um, *Malignant*? Oh yeah. Yeah, so I, I just I, I I'm always willing to give them a chance if they give us stuff like that. I thought Megan was okay. I mean, listen, like we only I only really love one killer doll, and I think you already know who that is. That's Chucky, of course. You know, he's the original. I think that you know he's he's pretty much the bar that's set. But I think that Megan did a serviceable job. You know, it's aimed at. It's not really aimed at us, as, as sad as that is to admit, it's not aimed at our age group, and I think that it achieved what it was set out to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty much one way of describing it. So, the next one, Scream 7, you said Je- um, Tara will be hooking up with Chad, they'll be living together, Stan will be dropping in once in a while to see how everybody's doing, they'll start receiving some weird phone calls, and I guess we'll have a, a new ghost face. Yeah, uh, and we'll see how they are uh, able to surprise us. I, I'm I'm completely willing to go in blind and just accept whatever they give us because they've given us two solid movies already. So yeah, they uh, got to go for the trilogy, bro. If they can do it three in a row, this this group is 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 good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they they had a good pretty they had a good head start. They had Ready or Not. I thought that was a good way to enter the market. And then you know they gave them a big franchise like Scream. They knocked it out of the park and. They improved on their uh, the, the the first one, so I think that it was that it was good. And, and and ultimately, this says the whole this says it all right here. It's got a ninety two percent audience score. I, pretty much almost everyone that I speak with or spoken with about the movie has said that they absolutely loved it and it's back on the map. So you know, it, this is a good thing. Yeah, so, a, and that means they're going to make more. At least hopefully they don't bleed it to death. Hopefully they end it on the right note. But you know, this is good for a person like me who's saw the first scream at age 12 in the theater so yeah listen i i don't know like like i think it would be good to come back with one more the trilogy and then give it a rest absolutely yeah i I would i would love that uh for the production company to just respect it and say listen we did three really good movies you know we, we have respect for the source material 
let's you know give these characters a rest give us some time to, to sizzle let's come up with the right idea if we are going to come back and you know like at least give us some time to marinate and, and, and get people excited again do you think we'll ever get one where we don't know who the um the ghost face is and we have like a ghost face like continuation yeah like like like, like michael myers or or uh Jason, where he keeps coming back movie after movie and they can't kill him? I mean, it's possible that, like, this, this pretty much the people have shown that they want to subvert expectations. They want to try fresh new things. I was, like, listening to them on the po on a podcast earlier, just them speaking, and they said they're willing to risk it all. They said if they're going to come in and take over this franchise, they're going to be willing to take chances that other people weren't willing to take. And that is why they're so successful. So, you know, if they feel like it's right for the story, I think that they're going to try it. And ultimately, you just got to have trust in them as filmmakers. That's what we are as the audience. You know, we put our trust in their hands and hopefully we leave entertained. We can't ask for anything but. Absolutely. You know, that's what this industry is about. Now, let me ask you this. Sure. The sentiment. How did you come up with the sentiment, the show, weekly? How do you prepare for it? What kind of things do you do? What are your thoughts going into the sentiment every week? Uh, you know, honestly, I, for the first couple of weeks, it was by the seat of my pants. Uh -huh. You know, Jay knows. I think even the audience knows, whoever's listening knows that it's, I'm new to this. Um, but I like to approach things methodically. I figured if this is a, a weekly thing, I need to have some kind of system. So... You know, I, I pretty much just try to simplify it as much as possible. Every week I try to think of either a topic that I have a lot of interest in or something that is, you know, relative to the current time period. And then I just try to expand upon that. I write a little outline. You know, I try to, you know, I try to give myself as much details as possible. But at the same time, I'm also just trying to be as fluid as possible so that I can figure out what I'm most comfortable with and you know, give you the best possible product because I just want the audience to enjoy what I'm putting out. You know, I know that because I'm new, that I mean, that means that I have the the ability to to shape myself like like Play-Doh, essentially. You know, I can yeah. move myself into different things and try different things to, to see what works. And I just try to find what's comfortable. Um, you know, I tried writing like maybe a little script for myself. I didn't feel most comfortable doing that. Now I just write a couple little notes here and there. I try to give myself a little guidance along the way and just allow myself to freely speak and just, you know, just try to talk about subjects that I love and which is I love movies. I love television. You know, I love the entertainment industry. Yeah, I did that for a while. I wrote, I used to write a big script every week. <laughs> it didn't work out. Yeah. Ultimately, I find that it's, it's not best for my timing because I have a lot of things that I actually have going on on my side of uh, life. Yeah. You know, I have a full-time job. I have a daughter, you know, I have this podcast. I have a little couple side businesses that I'm growing and, you know, it's all about time management. So whatever makes it the most efficient, you know, I got to give myself uh, the best chance. No, that's, 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 I mean, you're doing good, man. I love the show. Like I said, I skip it one week because of what we're doing in here tonight. I thought me and Jay were going to be doing this and, Jay has not been able to go to the movies, man. Jay is hating the fact that he has not been able to watch Scream. Yeah, he told me, and I was surprised he hadn't seen it yet because he knew, he knew surely how excited I was. And uh, usually that's pretty infectious. And, you know, you know when it's a big movie, you got to go check it out or you're not going to be able to talk about it with your friends. And I couldn't, I didn't, I wasn't able to spoil anything to him because, of course, I'm not that kind of guy. Oh, yeah, nice. Jay can't listen to this show when it comes out. No. <laughs> <laughs> you got to let him know. He That's... probably didn't listen to the last one either, which no one is going to end up seeing the movie Sick, which 
I thought was amazing. I just wanted to just give it a little quick shout out. I, have you heard of it, Link? Which one? It's on Peacock. Do you have that? Oh, I got Peacock, yeah. So, uh, Thick. It's a slasher movie, and it's written by Kevin Williamson. I'm telling you, it's not the greatest in the world, but it's certainly not bad by any means. I think that you can definitely see uh, the the writing on the wall as far as Kevin Williamson's, uh, you know, like blueprint all over it. I think that it's, you know, it's, it, it's fresh enough to gain your attention, so I, I do recommend it to you and anyone that's listening to this podcast. If you like a slasher, it was, you know, it's a nice quick hour, 30, 40 minutes. You know, it was really well done, and I think that it's, you know, it was good enough to garner a, a, um, a, a suggestion, I should say. I like the poster already. Yeah, it, it, was, it's a, it was pretty good. And honestly, that was the first thing that caught my eye, and then when I found out Kevin Williamson was involved, I immediately had to give it a chance. Yeah, 2022 American Slasher, directed by John Hyams and written by Kevin Williamson. Yeah, there's essentially uh, like a bunch of actors that aren't really big names, but they do they do well with their parts. You know, it takes it takes place during the quarantine time period. COVID has an element to it, but it's not the whole movie. You know, there's a stalker element. You know, the, the, the killer is very stealthy. It's kind of the opposite of Ghostface, but it's really well done. I, I do I do recommend it. Oh, wow. I'm already, I'm reading this. Yeah, while quarantining with her family in a lake house during the pandemic. I thought they're making horror in the pandemic. Yeah. yeah that's original. Part and and I, I, thought, I thought that it was pretty decent. Like I said, it's not... It's not going to win any awards or nothing like that, but the movie was good, and I think that it needed a little more att attention than it got. Wow. No, I'm, I'm definitely going to check it out. Hopefully, sure, Jay, you know. Jay will do, too. So you, you covered this movie last week. Yeah, it was that, that was part of the double feature. I, I had saw Scream, and then when I came home, I was... I was so excited that, you know, about how great the movie was. I didn't want to end the night, you know, like pretty much dry. So I watched a, a new movie that was on my radar, and it was kind of a back-to-back -back double feature type thing. Yeah, man, that's crazy. How was St. Patrick's Day over there in Georgia? Crazy? Uh, you know what? I work. I'm in the restaurant industry, like I believe you are as well. And uh, so I was essentially just slaving away at my, uh, my normal job. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm a banquet server. I'm, I'm, I left the restaurant business a very long time ago. But as yes, yeah, basically that uh, the hospitality industry. Yep, same here. Yeah, so yeah, I was yeah I was working. Uh, St. Patrick's Day was pretty crazy. Man. I worked in a casino. I you know I saw some people wearing green. There was celebration, but it was already a busy night to begin with, so it didn't feel any different than normal. Right, right. Yeah, bro. So uh, definitely, um, if you want to tell our listeners what you got coming up this week. Yeah, so this Friday, I do have uh, a special episode. I'm hoping it comes out this Friday. I do have a couple obligations, but at the latest Saturday, uh, I'm going to be talking about this show on Amazon called Swarm. It's uh, it's quite fantastic, honestly. It's it's really like a new age type of horror. It's uh, produced and directed by the, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Donald Glover. Uh, I think that it's great. I'll talk about it more on Friday coming up this week. I think that uh, it, it should... It's getting some buzz, and um, I think that, uh, pun intended right there, <laughs> uh, I think that it's uh, uh, something that's worth uh, people's attention right now. I think it's pretty good, so let's uh, check it out for that. Yeah. And it, also, uh, just to put it on the main pod, because I know you guys have an email as well, 
uh, thesentimentabyss at gmail.com. I'm looking for any listeners if they're, if they're willing to provide feedback or any kind of suggestions. I'm open to open dialogue with anybody that, that, that hears you know the show and, and, and just likes it and appreciates it. Fantastic. Yeah, I've come across that uh, swarm. Yeah, it just came out last week. Uh, I think that, you know, it's pretty good. It's just a, you know, it's a nice take on, uh, it has themes of obsession and it's just about this, the current trend of, of pretty much becoming a stand for major, you know, artists in the industry and how, you know, far that obsession takes you. But it's just done really well. The direction is fantastic. The cinematography is awesome. I don't want to say too much more because then I'm going to give away all my talking points for my actual show. No, don't do that. I definitely recommend it. Check it out, please. There's a show on uh, Amazon. I think it came out one year ago or two years ago, and it's about. It's called Panic. I don't know if you've seen Panic. No, I haven't. You know, yeah. every once in a while, some shows just slip right past me. It's just one of those ages where there's yeah. so much material and media coming out, you just never know. Yeah, man. Let me tell you about Panic. I try to get Jay to watch it, but Jay is not. <laughs> it's hard to convince Jay. But it's a it's an American. This is what they 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 call it. It's an American teen drama, streaming and basically has ten episodes. And it's about this small little town where there's nothing to do. And this high school t uh, kids they have a contest in town. Nobody knows how it how it started, but they do this daredevil stunt. Sometimes two people died on the first time they did it. The thing is that if they win. At the end, they get uh they get enough money to get out of that town, go to college, and and live in a better life. Get out of there. Oh wow! So it's kind of like uh, it's a mystery. You don't know who created the 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 show. You don't know who created nothing. You think you do, and then you actually may find out who did it. But then it, it comes all over again. You know, it's 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 very interesting to say the least. Yeah, this does look. This looks right up my alley. Uh, yeah, man. Thanks it, for the suggestion. Check it out. It's actually very good. Panic is a very underrated. It, it, I, I'm surprised that Panic didn't make more of a splash when it came out in 2021. Wow. Try to get Jay to watch that. I try to get Jay to watch that. Uh, Midnight Mass on Netflix. The vampire show is probably the best vampire thing that has come out in the last 10 years. So listen, Blake, it's funny that you mentioned that show because I actually was having a conversation with Jay and I was asking him about Mike Flanagan specifically, you know, the director, creator of that show. That show, yes. And I think that he said that he hasn't seen any of his shows. And I was like, <laughs> I was flabbergasted. I was like, you're a horror fan. Like, you have to at least watch something from him to respect what he's doing right now. And he, I, he's great. And, uh, you know, he got poached by Amazon. He's not even going to be on Netflix anymore, which is crazy. Wow. Yeah, they, they, they lost a big one right there considering how many you know quality shows he put out for Netflix. Yeah, well, Mid Midnight Mass is my favorite show that he has done. Uh, it was great. I thought that it was just so creative and yeah, it was good. Yeah, great it's hard for them to do good vampires these days, but that one was very good. I agree because it can definitely like like go right into the realm of being cheesy and overdone and cliche. Yeah. And it, you know, the vampire has been played out. Me and Jay, we were talking about uh Jacob's wife. That was uh one on Shutter that we watched that was uh we both did a show on it and Jay was like, "Man, I'm so glad you convinced me to watch that." Cuz that that was a very good vampire uh vampire movie that came out like a year and a half ago. But well, this might be 
this might be the year that vampires and Dracula specifically have a, a renaissance because I think there's two big movies coming out related to them. You have Renfield coming out with Nicolas Cage playing Dracula, which yeah. I'm absolutely down to see Nicolas Cage be loony as Dracula. And then there's also a, a movie called The Last Voyage of the Demeter, which is based on a single chapter in Bram Stoker's Dracula. And that's going to be more like really serious, but well, like, well done, good directors behind it. And that movie might make a big splash too. So Dracula's going to have a, a pretty big 2023. Yeah, he always does, but they don't do him right. But I think the two that you just mentioned, I think, yeah. There's a chance. There's a chance. I think, yeah, because Dracula is one thing that never dies, especially if you do it right. Yeah. And I think that his, his time might be, he might have a new renaissance in this particular, you know, time period. I think yeah. that, you know, it's been long enough to where, you know, we got to see him in the modern age and, and these, these newer directors and filmmakers and what they can do with the character because he's an amazing character. Yeah, zombies, on the other hand, I think they we have they have run their course. I think with zombies, the best, honestly, you're going to get is The Last of Us. This is, that was the best television show, short-form media, anything you want to call it. That was the best that I've seen, my, me personally, that I've seen in a long time. But if you think about it, it's really not zombies. It's just a... Uh... It's a virus. It's, well, it's a it's a fungus that takes over uh, people's skin. It's really not zombies. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right, Link. Uh, and in fact, I think on the the set of the, the the show, they make it a point to say that the word is banned. They're not allowed to really discuss zombies. I agree, but at the end of the day, it's it's classified as a zombie type. Yeah, that, they, I mean that's what they're trying to sell you in there to begin with. But they're doing it right because the least the less zombies they show you or people with that fungus in their face, the more you're intrigued by the show. Yeah, it's about the human element. I think they're yeah. ultimately the best shows, movies, anything you want to call it. They're all about the human experience. You know, it's about you know what people go through and how you can relate. And I think that that ultimately is what, what's going to bring the most audience in rather than just mindless, you know, people eating people. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that big King zombie that came out on, uh, I think it was the six, episode six, that one was very good. Yeah, and in fact, I was I was playing the game simultaneously, so I had just came upon like that first creature like that, and I was like, wow, that's that's pretty much dead on. I thought it was crazy. The, the, the show just had so many well-done action scenes and just everything all together. I thought it was, at least it was a treat for the fans. You know, it was, yeah. you know, I did the episode on video game media, and I think that, you know, it's just, it's just time that the fans of these type of uh, uh, pieces of media, they get their respect as well, and it was just a real treat. You've, hey, let me ask you this. With this being HBO and Joel being such an important part of the show, do you think they'll follow the what happened on, on part two of the video game on the show? Uh, yes, but I think that they're going to stretch it out. Okay. I don't, think, I, I don't want to, like, obviously, I don't want to give too much away. I think that we know what we're alluding to, but yeah. at the end of the day, I think that they respect who Pedro Pascal is and what he means to the popular culture, so they're going to give him as much time to shine as possible. Yeah, because, I mean, that's what I would do. I would change the script. I'd be like, fuck the video game. I'm not killing this guy off. Yeah, and unfortunately, they're also going to look at it as a business decision. There's been more more negative talk about Bella Ramsey than Pedro Pascal, obviously. 
you know, there's some people that aren't really sold on her particular portrayal, and some people just don't like her 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 way of acting. Mm -hmm. I thought she was great. You know, I thought I she was she great. The character. Uh, people are just too nitpicky, honestly. Um, but that's also going to go into the decision making as well. Yeah, I thought she was great. I yeah, really enjoy yeah. it. People, people expect perfection, or they expect you know a particular idea that fits inside their head, and ultimately, you know, that's not they're not that's why they're not making the big money, and other people are. Yeah, I mean, it, nevertheless, it came to an end last week, and it was I don't see what else. I mean, I'm I'm ex I'm looking forward to the Yellow Jackets. Yeah, for sure. Anything with Christina Ricci in it, who has just uh, been a crush of mine since for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> No, the show's really well done, and I think that it really just, it benefits from just being a slow burn, too. Like, they don't just give you everything. No, the Jello Jackets is uh, is well done. Yeah, more more content, I feel like, needs to be like that. There's just, we're in the microwave age where they just have to give you so many conclusions by the end of the season that it just feels like, all right, well, why continue this? At least Yellow Jackets, they, it gives you, you know, something to wait for and something to want, you know, and I, yeah, And I like that because life has become nothing more than an extension of social media where you get everything all at once. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they do it with pro wrestling. It is the reason why pro wrestling has gotten so bad. Because the stories are so, you know, you and you can see that when you, they do a, I don't know if you watch pro wrestling, but me and Jay are <laughs> pro wrestling fans from our whole life. And when they do a story that takes a long time to tell in pro wrestling, People actually buy it up, but for some reason, that's the way that that most of the things that are sold to us this day they try to give us everything all at once. There's no. Yeah, unfortunately, just the way, just like you said, social media. It just everybody just needs to have something now. They need to have some kind of content now because they can move to somewhere else and get that content elsewhere. Uh, it just it stinks, but hopefully, you know, I, I think that we're seeing, you know, a trend that's going to reverse that. Uh, it's going to take a little bit to really take foot, but, you know, hopefully we get back to a time period where there's less content, but more quality and, you know, more time is put into it because I think the companies are going to start to tighten up on budgets and, and, and money for projects. So I think that they're going to give specific things more time to shine rather than spread out wide. That's right. I'm going to give uh, Swarm a chance, but I don't like already that Billie Eilish is in it. Yeah, I haven't. she hasn't showed up in the episodes that I've seen so far, because I need yeah. to finish the, the series. Uh, so I don't think she's a, a huge part. Yeah. Um, but I do I do say, yeah, give it a try. There's a lot no, of... No, you know what it is? She hasn't done anything to me. It's just that they gave her an award of Album of the Year the same year that Post Malone had Hollywood is Bleeding, which is one of my favorite albums ever. <laughs> yeah, and for me, that was like the album of the year. Like, you couldn't tell me that that was not going to be the album of the year. It even had the theme for that uh, Spider-Man uh, movie, the anime. Yeah, there's there's a lot of upsets that happen in the award industry, unfortunately. So that's, wow. a sore, that's a sore subject, I think, for a lot of people. <laughs> well, sir, I thank you for uh, stepping up. Hopefully, me or Jay can always return the favor, even though you like doing a show alone. I don't know how you can do it. Well, no, I, I do want to say I don't really like to do it alone. I just I felt like I was given this opportunity, and ultimately, it just ended up being I was alone. 
But I think that at some point in the future, I'd like to figure out some way to do a show, you know, more frequently with someone else. I think it's a, it's a better format. It's more interesting rather than hearing my boring stuff talk all day. Oh, yeah. I don't know how Jay. Jay can do it with ease. Jay can just talk, and he, he always has something interesting to say by himself. But me, when I've had to do this show by myself, man, I'm in trouble. Big trouble. Well, I, I, before, before you let go, I just want to say thank you so much. Uh, I, I genuinely mean it when I listen to you and Jay, you know, speak. You guys are very interesting. I, I'm more than more than grateful just to have the opportunity, just to be part of this, and giving me the opportunity to learn and just get better. And thanks for all the compliments and also just the words of advice. Oh man, we're good. We're good. We are very good. We're very grateful to have you. That's the whole deal why I created all this. I always wanted to have more people join, so people that oh, share sure. our vision. So yeah, for for the great. Uh, Renny Rico, I call you Double R, Rene Rico. I, I, I accept all types of names. I accept all types of names. But for the great Rene Rico from The Sentiment, our weekly show here the, on the, the Tales from the Abyss Umbrella, we would like to say thank you to every, every one of our listeners on our screen review. Hopefully, if you haven't seen the movie, you won't get upset at us if you actually listen to this. But definitely go out and see uh, Scream 6 because it's so worth it. And stay safe out there, America. We appreciate your listening.